This is Radio Boston. I'm Tiziana Deering. It is the morning after. Donald Trump won the New Hampshire primary yesterday, so let's look at what happened and what it tells us about how the primaries could play out here in Massachusetts. So let's turn to Anthony Brooks, WBUR's political, senior political correspondent in New Hampshire. Anthony, late night last night or not? Well, actually, uh, we knew the results by just a few minutes after 8 p.m. So um, I remember four years ago waiting for results from New Hampshire for hours, to, hours. To, before before we learned um, that Bernie Sanders, the Democrat, uh, won that primary. So it wasn't a particularly late night, um, given what was at stake. So remind us of the results, you know, uh, the, you know, the spread between Trump and Haley, the only two left on the Republican side, and any other kind of breakdowns you know that might be interesting for us. Yeah, well, Trump, it was, a, it was a solid win. Trump won by 11 points. It wasn't the kind of blowout that we saw in Iowa. Uh, Nikki Haley certainly had a respectable finish. Uh, but she finished second. I mean, she lost to Trump. There's no other way to put it. Trump um, had more than 54 percent of the vote to Haley's 43 uh, and something percent of the vote. And Trump's win was, was pretty widespread. We know from exit polls that he did well in a variety of demographic groups. Um, he won every age group among men and women. And um you know, pretty much uh, reasserted that uh, he owns the Republican Party, and uh, this is a key step on his way to winning the presidential nomination for the third time. So, um, okay, so first, did that align with what people thought was going to happen in New Hampshire, let's say, at 6 a.m. yesterday morning, Anthony? Well, I mean, I think the convention, when you look at New Hampshire, New Hampshire, there's always sort of the conventional wisdom, there's polling. And when you looked at that, um, Trump was ahead in every single poll. So I think the expectation was that he was going to do pretty well. But New Hampshire has this storied history of delivering surprises uh, every now and then. You know, you can go back to uh, 1976, when Jimmy Carter won and, you know, went from Jimmy Who to president. Gary Hart won in 1984, you know, damaging the aura of invincibility of Walt, Walter Mondale. And of course, in 2000, John McCain uses New Hampshire to really challenge George W. Bush. All of those were sort of surprising outcomes. So I think the question that you kept hearing uh, raised is, what are those non-aligned, those non-affiliated, independent, more moderate voters going to do for Nikki Haley? How many of them are going to come out? And uh, that was sort of the mystery going into last night. And when the results finally came out, we learned that she did well with them, but not as well as she needed to do. So this was something that, you know, we were watching here, Anthony, and we're speaking with WPUR political correspondent Anthony Brooks, because Massachusetts has a similar kind of primary to New Hampshire, right, where you can, if you are unaffiliated with a party or you are in the opposite party, you can, it's similar, you can, there is a way you can pull a ballot in the other party's primary. So this is a pattern that's interesting to watch here in Massachusetts, yes? Yeah, it is, although I'll be completely honest uh, with you. It, it's hard for me to think too far ahead, uh, because by the time Massachusetts votes, that's pretty far down the road on the calendar. And I'm sort of more focused on the question, you know, Nikki Haley said last night, now you've heard all the chatter among the political class that this race is over, but Haley says the race is not over. She vows to stay in and is looking forward uh, to her home state of South Carolina. And then she even suggested, you know, on to Super Tuesday. 
I'm really curious if that's really going to happen because she has, you know, before she even gets to a state like Massachusetts, I mean, she has such a steep hill to climb. New Hampshire was her, the, the, the best shot at, at challenging Trump, and she couldn't do it here with that, you know, with this large group of independent, uh, unaffiliated voters. Um, she's in much less friendly territory, even in her home state, where Trump is, uh, you know, recent polls have Trump up by 30 points. So think back to Ron DeSantis. You know, he said he was going to fight on. He went home. He sort of thought about it for a while, and he dropped out of the race. Um, I'm not saying that's what Nikki Haley's going to do. I'm just saying there is going to – I think there could well be a difference between what she said uh, last night and where she ends up a week from now or 10 days from now or, you know, even two or three weeks. We'll just have to see. I'll stay but her path forward is really, really questionable right now. I'll stay with you on that, but I'm going to clarify for listeners a question I just asked you, which was about the Massachusetts ballot. And for listeners who may not have heard the resolution to this, you know, we covered here on Radio Boston the fact that there was a challenge to Donald Trump on the ballot. The Massachusetts Ballot Commission ruled that they did not have jurisdiction to make any changes, and therefore, as things currently stand, Trump will be on the ballot in Massachusetts. There is an appeal to the Supreme Judicial Court, but unless they do something and do something different, that's where things stand here in Massachusetts. Um, you know, so back to Haley, you've made it pretty clear what you're watching there. One more question briefly there, and then I'll pivot a little bit. It sounded to me like she was specifically trolling Donald Trump last night, like hitting hot buttons that she knew would push his buttons. Just briefly, Anthony, do we think that's what was going on? Well, I mean, we've watched this, um, I would say, sort of gradual evolution of Nikki Haley over the course of 11 months in New Hampshire. You know, she really uh, stayed away from criticizing Trump for a while. She really tried to cast this campaign as um, she was really representing this new generational leader. She's 52 now. Um, she really made a point that uh, Americans just don't want this contest between two 80-year-olds, uh, Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And she said that again and again. And then she sort of came up with this rather neutral formulation about her concerns about Trump, that chaos follows him. Not that he was responsible for the chaos, but that chaos follows him. Um, but in the final days of the campaign, or even a lot, uh, couple of weeks, I would say, she really sharpened um, some of her criticisms of Trump and went after her former boss directly. And we certainly heard that last night. And I think what you what we saw there was Haley searching for the best recipe for success in New Hampshire. You know, go too strong against Trump and she loses some of those diehard Republicans who she really needed to come to her side. Um, but as she got closer, um, I think she felt like she could take the gloves off and hit him a little harder, and we certainly saw that last night. But neither one of those tactics was enough for her to win in New Hampshire. And losing in New Hampshire after being absolutely crushed in Iowa really, I mean, I keep coming back to right. the same point, Tiziana really doesn't leave her a very viable path forward. All right, so let's stay with that situation. I have two remaining questions for you. First, you know, given that situation, uh, there is this particular candidate who appears now poised to win, Anthony. His rhetoric has been pointedly authoritarian, with him saying explicitly that he plans to behave as a dictator. He challenged his last loss and still maintains he didn't lose, even after losing court challenges all over the country. His company has been found guilty of fraud. He's been found civilly liable for sexual abuse. 
I have never strung that set of sentences together for another candidate for office before. Is there any indication that those issues come into play between now and the nominating conventions? Oh, I think they do. And I think in a way that's, that's, that's what you saw. Um, uh, you know, Nikki, ha- look, let's, let's look at New Hampshire. 40% of New Hampshire voters were unaffiliated um, with either party. And the, sum- the assumption was that most of those would go to Haley. And we know that a lot of them did because of precisely the issues you were talking about right there. Uh, I mean, I talked to some, uh, you know, lots of these people over the course of the last 11 months who people who might even be sticking with Joe Biden, uh, but were desperate not to um, give Donald Trump a chance. So they voted for Nikki Haley. So, you know, if there's a silver lining in this uh, Republican result for Joe Biden, it might be that, um, you know, a lot of those uh, moderate Republicans, those independent voters who refuse to vote for Trump could well end up um, gravitating uh, over to Joe Biden. And it's precisely because of those issues that you're talking about. Now, it has to be said that Trump has a firm control of diehard Republican voters. Uh, I talk to a lot of these people. Polling shows this. They don't believe in this stuff. They talk about this as being a Democratic plot to oust Trump, even though these uh, law cases are based on, you know, real uh, legal proceedings. They don't buy it. And um, I think in, in that sense, it's not going to make a difference uh, between um, among the folks who um, are most firm in their support for him. So last question, then you talk about where, where that might serve a, a Biden who won handily in New Hampshire last night, despite being a write-in. Um, let's move beyond Trump's diehard base. Did you hear from voters in New Hampshire who were voting Republican, really sort of articulate the ways that the old Republican Party and the Democratic Party are failing them, where, you know, where they're being let down or left behind. Yeah, I mean, I think when you talk to Trump supporters, I mean, the issues that come up very clearly, um, and a lot of it is sort of parroting back what Trump says, but a lot of people really express this again and again. They're concerned about the border. Um, They still feel the effects of inflation. They don't buy... Um, sort of the macroeconomic thing that, you know, just don't worry, everything's fine. Look, the stock market's up. Um, They still feel the pain of high prices. They're worried about U.S. entanglement in foreign wars. And Trump speaks to these issues to them in in ways that are real. And as we've been talking about for the last eight years, Trump seems to have this power of reaching these folks and making them feel heard. when uh, the sort of uh, traditional uh, political establishment has not been able to do that. And we've been talking about this for eight years, and I'm afraid we're right back where we were eight (laughs) years ago. Trump is a force to be reckoned with. There are lots and lots of people who still hear him and believe him and are going to follow him. Anthony Brooks will continue to follow you. Thanks so much for joining us. All right. My pleasure.